Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast from Lincoln Financial Field, where the Minnesota Vikings just lost 34 to 26. 28. 28. Thank you. Uh, I forgot the score because there's so many other numbers running through our head, like 19 to 0 first down rushing uh, numbers or the 200 and would it end up being 59 rushing yards by the Eagles? I'm six turnover margin. I'm here with Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune. We just got up from the locker room. We're going to talk about what we saw and heard uh, throughout the game and after the game. Um, where does it start? Is it the four fumbles, Ben, like you were talking about? They are the 18th team since 2002 when the league went to 32 teams to start the year with a turnover margin of negative six or worse. Of those 18 teams, 14 started 0-2. Of the first 17, five went to the playoffs. This is not something that good teams do. And they, as Kevin O'Connell pointed out, you lose two games to playoff teams from last year by a combined nine points. Both games that, I mean, I thought Sunday in Tampa, I guess Tampa, they should have won. Tonight, I don't know if that was the case, but certainly could have won, if not for the turnovers, especially the one right at the goal line at the end of the first half. Yeah. Uh, Jim, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the fumbles obviously were the problem. And, and as you said, we can't go back and reconstruct the game and say, oh, if they didn't fumble, they automatically win. The Eagles would have played differently under the circumstances. But they certainly had a chance. Um, I'm still, you know, listen, they lost. Uh, they're 0-2. You know, we're, we're going to be writing about that and talking about that for the next 10 days. I'm just kind of blown away by what Justin Jefferson's done the first two games of the season. I mean, uh <laughs> He's on a pace to catch like 170 passes for 2,600 yards. We know those won't be the final numbers, but still, what he's done uh, in two games where you know everybody was game planning to stop him, he and Cousins have been ab- absolutely spectacular. Uh, the fumbles ruin that storyline tonight, but it's still going to be a storyline we're going to be following all season. Yeah, Jefferson ties Lance Allworth, the Hall of Fame receiver, for fastest to 5,000 career yards. He just keeps. Uh, going up on that trajectory when we think that it's got a plateau at some point. Um, but he had quite an odd fumble. Um, Kevin O'Connell said after the game, we coached to only do that on fourth down in terms of like really reaching and trying to expose the ball the way he did. Um, Jefferson, after the game, said, I put a lot of that on me in terms of the loss. He said, it's a learning point for me, not trying to do too much, trying to take what I think his quote was, I can just score on the next play. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, one of the things we've heard Kirk Cousins talk about it, he said it with Jordan Addison tonight too, they praise his ability to finish all the time on those plays. And I asked Cousins about that afterwards. He said, you know, we, we talk about the don't reach unless it's fourth down thing. He said, but players do it and score all the time. It's, you know, one of those things where he said the joke is don't do it if you're not going to score. So <laughs> it's it's kind of one of those things that comes up. And, and yes, as you look at it in retrospect, it cost them dearly. We have seen times, I, I think there was one against the Packers, I think last year in the opener, where he stretched out and scored like that. So we have seen that work for him as well. And they initially, the review, they thought maybe the ball went out before it hit, before it crossed the pylon. There was, I thought, the possibility too, because Cousins throws the ball a little short. Mario Goodrich hits him. He's juggling that even before the safety hits him as he's going to the goal line. O'Connell said they looked at that about the possibility of that wasn't a catch, but ruled he secured it. The stretch is the football move. Therefore, it is a catch, a fumble, and then it went 
out of the end zone, not out the side. Yeah, over the pylon means out the end zone. And I mean, there's debate, obviously, about what should the sideline be determining possession at all just because a fumble goes out, but that's the rule. It, it is the rule. It's one of the weirder rules in the sport. You know, if it goes out an inch early, you, you're whatever, first and goal, and you're almost certain to score a touchdown. If it goes out of the end zone, you lose the ball, and the other team gets the ball at the 20. It, it's one of the most dramatic rules in the sport. But it is the rule, and and I I just do have trouble blaming a player for trying to score in that situation. And they must have also ruled that he had started the act of fumbling before crossing the pylon. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, because if the touchdown. ball breaks the pylon, then he fumbles. It's a touchdown. Yeah. So yeah, kind of a <laughs> a play where an inch here or there, or a bounce here or there, it could be any number of different of course, things. Of course, the as we review all this and talk about all the ways they could have won and all the plays that are swinging, it's hard to imagine the Vikings stopping the Eagles from scoring as many points they needed to score. (laughs) When you rush for 259 yards, when Jalen Hurts doesn't even have a very big game running the ball. I I mean, I did not see that coming. I, I, if you told me they were going to rush for 259 yards, I would have thought Hurts would have had like 120. Yeah. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. They have no difference makers other than Daniel Hunter up front. And, yep. and when Marcus Davenport tries to play on that ankle and is out, he's sitting on the bench after the first series, their plan was clearly to use him as an interior rusher, go a little lighter up front. Kevin O'Connell said give them some different looks, try to try to contain that option game that they're so good at with Jalen Hurts and the receivers that turn into RPOs and everything. Um, they just don't have anybody for tackles for losses. It, it was two guys broke through the line for tackles on the 48 rushing attempts um, for, for Philadelphia tonight. And that's when you don't have that, you're going to get steamrolled. And I thought this final score wasn't indicative of the beating yep. it felt, especially with Kirk. He took three hits on his first five pass plays. Eagles had the ball for like 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that the, I think the rushing total at the end of the first half was like 137 to 9. Or something like that. Not good. No. <laughs> and, and the the rushing problems continued on offense in terms of what we saw from Tampa Bay. Yeah, it, it did. And I mean, you mentioned the the lack of difference makers for the Eagles. I mean, they had the one run from DeAndre Swift for forty three yards, but otherwise, yeah, it was a lot of shorter stuff. Mm-hmm. It in some ways is what the Vikings have hoped their run game looks like, where it's a lot of six seven yard kinds of things. The Eagles were able to do that for a lot of the night. The Vikings played a lot of looks where it's one defensive lineman and, and five linebackers in the nickel, and obviously trying to take those options away from Hurts. Josh Metellus said they basically ran one play. It was, it was gun near every time, and they're trying to just go downhill. In some ways that works because they have an offensive line that can win up front against a Vikings defensive line that needs work, and the Vikings defense, offensive line isn't going to do that against that Eagles front. So the lack of depth the lack of investment and i guess they've invested on the offensive line they just perhaps have not made investments that are terribly effective but the lack of skill level the lack of quality on both lines of scrimmage 
is a big reason they lost this game and continues to be a big concern for this team. Yeah, and an odd uh, scenario where Christian Derrissaw was going to play. They activated him. Kevin O'Connell saying that him aggravating the ankle injury in warm-ups, he was a game-time decision. Um, that happened after they dressed him. So clearly it was when they were running him with the starting offense in pregame warm-ups where he kind of pulled up and ended up being in his pads for the rest of the game but was never going to go in because it was 33-year-old David Questenberry, uh, a guy that was a cut from the Bills, a cast-off, who's playing left tackle for you on Thursday night in Philadelphia. Um, and this offense still manages to throw a couple touchdowns and try to make it a game. Questenberry came in after Ole Udo gets hurt. We should also mention yep. that. Yeah, yeah, he comes. That's right. Ole Udo starts, and Questenberry ends up having to come in because Udo suffered what seemed like a pretty serious left knee injury. Yeah, O'Connell said we're still trying to find out more. Going to be out for a while. Said it doesn't look good, but it's a knee. So, I mean, out for a while. I, it, the usual, it doesn't look good. We're looking to find out more. Tends to be ACL. We'll see what it is, and you know we don't know that for sure. But I mean, out for a while. That may, if it's ACL, obviously it's the season. Yeah, and a lot of guys got banged up too. Hicks was evaluated. Caleb Evans was cramping at one point. Josh Metellus had uh, X-rays on his shoulder. Yep, yep. He said those were negative. He thinks he's okay. Yeah, but, he had, yeah. He came out as well. Ended up coming back. So, Jim, where's this team going at zero and two? Well, listen, zero and two's a terrible way to start, of course. I will say this. I thought going into the season, I picked them to win, I think, 11 games, and I figured they would start one and two. I thought they'd beat the Bucks. I thought they'd lose here. I thought they'd lose to the Chargers. So as bad as it is, if they beat the Chargers, they're right where I thought they'd be anyway. So it's, it's you know, it, it's With not a winnable a, game after that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if they beat the Chargers at home after a 10-day rest, they're one and two, I think Carolina's terrible. They could be two and two. So they're not that far off from a reasonable pace. They have that five or six game stretch in the middle of the season. There are a lot of wins waiting for you if you're relatively healthy. They got the best receiver in the game. Cousins is playing great. Um, it it I'm just not ready for complete doom and gloom yet. Is is it not concerning though? Like to me, you're seeing a team that played down to its competition in Tampa Bay and kind of played up at least a little bit because this was not a it was a one score game, but it wasn't in my opinion. But yeah, they at least had some fight at the end. And this this is a very um, potent offense that can put up the points that we saw today. Um, but is it just not in this team the way that they kind of felt like it was in the team last year? Yeah, well, I mean they've lost two close games and that you know, their their whole. St- success story last year was winning close games they're zero and two in close games this year so that hey once again it is a problem um i i just don't like overreacting too much to two games just because there are right now we're still seeing a, a mixture of problems and really superlatives and they got th- they got problems to fix but almost every nfl team does well, and, and the fact that the turnovers are fumbles, we should point that out right. too. Fumbles have some randomness to yep. them in terms of are you going to recover them yourselves or are they going to bounce the other team? They have lost six fumbles, including one uh, with Ed Ingram where the ball gets stripped out. Uh, well, with Kirk Cousins where the ball gets stripped out by Ed Ingram. Um, so, I mean, there is some of that where it's not been Cousins throwing interceptions other than the one – at the goal line with Osborne, and that plays a bang-bang thing, too. It was yep. not like one where you're like, that was an incredibly boneheaded throw. What are you doing? Um, it was almost a touchdown. Yeah, so it's the the nature of the turnovers is not something that you say 
this is going to sink them completely. That said, if they're not taking better care of the ball and being able to secure it when they go to the ground, as they had happen on the Brandon Powell one and the Alexander Madison one, that becomes an issue. Um, the fact that there is some randomness to bouncing balls with fumbles, you figure that's going to probably come back to the middle at some point. What did you think of Kirk's night? Because he goes from getting hit three times in the first five plays to not getting hit again until the top of the third quarter when it's the strip sack beating Udo um, before he ended up going down. Uh, Kirk seemed, obviously, it was the typical kind of resilient Kirk game, it felt like, where you look at the numbers and you go, that's pretty impressive, but then it really never felt like they were truly in that game, in part because of all the fumbles we talked about. Right, and that's the thing. (laughs) I actually thought he played really well. Um, You know, His connection with Jefferson is pretty amazing. There are a couple throws he he threw to Jefferson. I was like, well, he's not open, and then, oh, yeah, he was open enough, and and he made the catch. I mean, it's pretty remarkable to see. Um, Addison is a player. Yeah, yeah, that's Hawkinson's really good. Uh, K.J. Osborne. You know, had two bad drops tonight, but he's capable of being – he's at least capable of being a good fourth option in this offense. Um, so I, I think Kirk's played really well, actually. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I thought he had a good night for the most part. I mean, you look at – I mean, people are going to talk about the box score gets big when they're trying to come back. But he did not – I mean, last year they were in a similar situation when they're trying to come back, and he killed them with interceptions, mm-hmm. including a couple of really bad ones. Didn't have those um, – it is it is tough when you are in that situation where you're not running the ball, you're missing your left tackle, your center, you're down to a third string left tackle by the end of the game, and you're basically playing drop back football because you're coming from behind. So there's not a lot working in his favor other than the fact he's got great skill position players, especially in the wide receiver group. So yeah, overall I, I thought you know especially Thursday night, the primetime thing. I thought he he was not the problem necessarily tonight. Uh, the strip sack, he said, you know, it's coming around the blind side. He didn't see it or didn't necessarily feel it, I don't think. And obviously if he did, he would have tried to avoid it. But other than that, I thought in a, in a tough environment, tough situation, he did a lot of things to keep them in it. Yeah, Jordan Addison is the first Vikings rookie receiver to score in, in his first two games since Percy Harvin. Uh, it's good, yeah. good company to have for a guy who was a big play threat for them. And really, if they could just buy some time for Kirk, that's an element of the offense we might see even more of. It's um, a record Justin Jefferson does not have, though his first two games he did not start. True, yeah. <laughs> that, that first game he did start, he did pretty well. <laughs> he did. That was uh, week three, he had a buck 75, and that was the first touchdown. But yeah, I think the first two that they lost. They brought him off the bench. Yeah, and we should just mention injury-wise, um, Derisaw said he wants, and I think O'Connell mentioned this too, the hope is he'll play against the Chargers after a long weekend and not getting any work in. Um, today, da- uh, Marcus Davenport declined comment and continues to decline comment as he deals with this ankle or foot injury. I'm not sure which one O'Connell mentioned it was. They listed it as an ankle, yeah. I guess. Um, so anyway, the, the injuries don't seem to be long-term, but they're still waiting on Marcus Davenport's Vikings debut. Well, and if he ends up not having a good season or a productive season, and that's where they spent their money on a guy who has had injury problems in the past, uh, that that will be a big whiff on a team that can't afford to whiff on defensive players. Well, and, and to that to that point, I mean, Daniil Hunter had an awfully good night. He did. Um, the two guys that 
you need to pay are not doing anything to lower their prices as they go forward. I so think I think keeping that in mind. I think you can sign Cousins and Jefferson for next season for a billion dollars or less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not I wasn't even necessarily including Cousins in that. Yeah. I'm talking Jefferson and Hunter. Yeah. Oh, we'll yeah, see what well, happens with Cousins, yeah. but I mean, I'm could, so used to Hunter to being three. on a year by year three. Right, but, right. but you're absolutely right. hey, uh, you can I take mean, it to all three of those. Hunter is incredibly valuable and they have nobody else. Uh, a conundrum among many this team has at the moment.